starts we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor we've partnered with coinbeast media to bring you guys top quality educational bitcoin content they have bitcoiners who are experts in certain areas of bitcoin called pros who will be presenting on our show over the course of the next couple months so make sure you guys tune in every single wednesday to make sure you don't miss them you can also connect with their pros one-on-one to get a personalized lesson in a certain area of Bitcoin to help walk you through any and all of your questions. They also have wonderfully written articles on their website that are jam-packed full of information. So make sure to check out their website at coinbeast.com. Their vision is very in line with ours. So we're beyond excited to be collaborating with them to bring all of you guys good quality Bitcoin content. So without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, what's up, class? This is Optimus Fields at My Living Truth. We're back for another episode. We're at block height 677,230, and the current price of Bitcoin is 59,310. Tonight, we don't have Nick. He's doing some business with Bitcoin Magazine, so shouts out to Nick over there having some fun. But uh, without further ado... We got Adam over here from Coinbeast Media, also from Upstream Data, uh, aka at Denver Bitcoin on Twitter, and uh, we asked him to come out here and uh, talk uh, talk some Bitcoin mining fud with us and handle the the you know all this energy fud going around on Twitter. So uh, yeah, man, we're super excited for this. We had to postpone this about uh, I think a couple weeks. And uh, we, we told everyone to come out. We got a full class tonight. So without further ado, Adam, take it over. Yeah, thanks. Uh, glad to be here. You know, this is it's an honor to <laughs> to be presenting to the, the infamous kindergarten, Bitcoin kindergarten class here. Um, yeah, and in terms of getting postponed a little bit, that was a bummer. I wanted to be here earlier. But, you know, in regards to what we're talking about, things are things are pretty crazy right now and um, busy. So. I guess we'll get into it. You know, my goal here tonight is is to kind of do a couple simple things, and it's that's just kind of squash fundamental misconceptions of around this topic, around the idea that you know Bitcoin wastes electricity, or that ultimately that electricity consumption in, in and of itself is bad, or that Bitcoin can't scale due to due to its proof of work um, consensus mechanism and the amount of electricity that's required to well, not really required, but the amount of electricity that's that gets incentivized to be be used on the network and um, really how that how that ends up how Bitcoin ends up interacting with energy markets. My goal is to to kind of squash these. So I, I just honestly I want to start with just this basic first page and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go just kind of point by point and just kind of dive in and talk about my understanding of these and why I think that a lot of this this FUD is just you know it's just founded on bullshit. Um, bullshit ideas and, and misconceptions. So ultimately Bitcoin wasting energy. One, one aspect that I think um, Harry Suddock has, has spoken about a lot and, and really drove the point home is people have this idea that when you plug in a Bitcoin miner or really when you use any electrical appliance for that matter, that 
wherever the electricity you're getting that that uh, or powering that Bitcoin miner from, there needs to be all of a sudden some additional electricity generated. As though when you plug in that Bitcoin miner, you know, a a hydroelectric turbine needs to spin one more time, or another thousand cubic feet of gas needs to get burned and generated in order to to support that. And that's just a, that's a flawed uh, understanding of and a really just a a imperfect understanding of how electricity is generated, distributed, and, and brought to market. Um, and beyond that, Bitcoin is providing a lot of utility, right? This is this is a network that's living and breathing. Millions of people are interacting with it daily. Um, many people not only using it to you know store value, but to transact value. And so it's providing a service, right? There's, <laughs> this isn't like, this isn't, um, a drop in the hat. There's there's legitimate transactions happening. There's a mempool. I mean, I'm sure people in this on this call have have transactions waiting to be sent, right? So that's utility. That's that's data be transferred. Um, and usually, when you transfer data, you have to have some kind of you know intermediary. You have to utilize some type of web server in order to to transmit any information over the internet. Some of it's sometimes it's free, sometimes it's not. But with Bitcoin, right? This is this is a truly decentralized means by which to transmit data. And there's there's economic and real value there. So I think that I would challenge any um, assumption that there is there is no, you know, I think I think what was the tweet that came out? I can't remember even who did it. It was probably that that Evan dude or whatever. He, you know, he mentioned like, you're just you're just using electricity to solve Sudoku puzzles. And I'm like, this is not <laughs> like that's a fundamental misconception, right? Like in, encryption is very valuable and data transfer is valuable as well. So as much as Maybe it's beating a point to death. I think it's a really important point. One that just kind of gets overlooked. Like it's immediately, uh, maybe not the go-to kind of rebuttal, but there's serious fucking value in, in the Bitcoin network. Um, so now let's talk about electricity consumption being bad. One thing that that um, others have spoken about and many people have written about uh, the 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 famous Russian, uh, oh, sorry, the famous Russian uh, uh, physicist, was it the, Kardashev scale talking about consumption electricity. When it comes to consuming electricity, there are so many indicators that that correlate to quality of life improvement as energy density per capita increases. And so what that means is the more electricity a you know civilization is consuming per human in that civilization, um, very it's very likely that the quality of life is is elevated, right? Things like healthcare, nutrition, you know, infant mortality rate, um, all of these things are very much possibly correlated to energy uh, consumption per capita. And so, part of part of the mantra in the fud against Bitcoin that that is, you know, this kind of environmental fud is that it, it brings with it this basic assumption that energy or electricity consumption is bad, and it's not. Um, it's the means by which we, I mean, electricity is really the, the fuel that allows us to leverage technology. Um, if you think about, you know, look around you in, your, in the room that you're in, um, nothing, it's likely that there's nothing in there that would have been manufactured had not electricity been involved and had not there been affordable and reliable electricity to manufacture, deliver, um, even innovate develop whatever it is around you in your in your house from the couch to the tv to you know the pencil on the table electricity is is the luxury that allows civilization and the tool that allows civilization to advance 
Um, it allows us to leverage the technology we develop and it's not a bad thing. Um, but though I, I challenge those and I fundamentally disagree with those who say that we need to return to some type of, you know, kind of pre-colonial uh, lifestyle where we need to be consumption minimalists. And I, I just fundamentally disagree with that. I think that there is, is a really strong argument to say that if you're against the consumption of electricity, you're against human advancement, you're against raising quality of life and, um, you know, increasing things like, like education and healthcare and infant mortality rates. So, you know, ultimately I, I challenge that fundamentally and I'll, and I'll dive more into um, kind of how Bitcoin interoperates with, with that on an incentive level. But again, fundamentally <laughs> it's bullshit. Um, it's, it's a flawed argument. And then lastly, you know, Bitcoin being able to scale due to the fact that as its price goes up, so does the difficulty of the network, which is, you know, directly correspondent to the amount of um, raw energy being committed to, to the Bitcoin network in the form of computational work. So here's the thing, much like I spoke in the beginning about how when you plug in a new miner, it doesn't, it doesn't cause more electricity to be produced. It's, it's going to consume electricity that is already being produced. Beyond that, the consumption of, of electricity by that Bitcoin miner is actually a really good thing. And it's actually something that allows for an increase in efficiency um, at the grid level, but also an efficiency all throughout the energy stack. And I'll, and I'll dive into all of these. But ultimately, I wanted to just kind of attack these misconceptions right up front. And then let's get in and talk about some of the some of the reasons as to why these are flawed. And, and then, I mean, when I was in kindergarten, the part that I hated the most was anything about the learning, right? So the, the most fun part was the after. And I think as an adult, the, the fun part is answering questions and, and having dialogue. So we'll get to that more quicker than, uh, or quicker than, than I initially hoped, just because I think it, I think it is where the, the most fruitful conversations and ideas come from. But moving on, how the fuck is electricity produced, right? Because this is this is part of the issue we're talking about. It's like it's the fact that people understand, you know, when they press on the, the accelerator in their car, like the car moves, but they have absolutely no idea what's actually happening. Much in the same way, when you when you ask people where electricity comes from, right, they they point to the outlet on the wall. Um, at the end of the day, electricity all comes from pretty much the same place. It comes from a source where something is being either spun or reciprocated, right, moving back and forward really fast. Um, oftentimes it's being heated up. And from that, it's generating, you know, mechanical energy. And that is, you know, essentially charging or generating electrical charge, generating power. Now, this may be a hydroelectric turbine. This might be, you know, and water is the water and gravity are the, are the fuel, essentially, to, to turn that uh, mechanical turbine. Or it's something like, you know, natural gas where you combust it. And from that combustion, you can generate mechanical motion um, and derive electricity um, or even wind, right? Turbine, solar, same concept. At the end of the day, it, it, it really, it either comes down to spinning something really fast and generating electricity. Like that's really what, where we generate electricity. Um, there's a ton of loss throughout this process, right? And the way in which the, the electrical grid is set up is such that you know, electricity is an, is an amazing luxury, especially in the first world. And, and you know, I'm sure that a lot of people on this call, most people on this call can, can attest to that, where nobody's really, you know, had the issue where they turn on their dryer or they turn on their microwave or shit, they turn on like their dryer, their washer and their microwave. And like all of a sudden the, the power goes out, right? Like we, our, our grid 
is designed such that everybody in a neighborhood could essentially turn on their washers and dryers and microwaves all at the same time and their heat. And nobody would like have any kind of user experience variation. It would all, they would all just think everything's normal and everything would be normal because we're always producing enough electricity to meet what's called peak demand, right? So peak demand is literally like, hey, what happens if everyone turns their heat on and uses some other shit and starts vacuuming? Like we need to be, they are always producing that much electricity so that people can, you know, freely use their appliances. Otherwise we'd have to like come up with, um, you know, a day in time where we all wash our laundry or like <laughs> a day in time where we, you know, vacuum our house. Um, and so, because that's impractical and, you know, not really something that's sustainable, certainly not scalable, um, we do it this way. We, we overproduce electricity. That's the bottom line. We overproduce electricity um, to the nth degree and a shitload is wasted. So from this example, what I, what I wanted to show is how, one, there's this constant fluctuation in electricity demand. And so to those who are providing electricity, it's hard to, you know, quantify when you're, when you're looking at, Hey, what's our future revenue projections, right? What, what does five years of providing electricity for this, this, you know, par particular part of the grid or whatever look like it's hard to understand. It's hard to know demand, right? It's like, well, how, how much, you know, how cold is it going to be? Right. That is honestly a serious question when you're trying to calculate your revenue because that's, you know, for how long and during the year, because then we can, we can get an idea of what our, you know, what kind of our base load of electricity is, what's that base demand. And then we can, from there, kind of try to derive, hey, what's the maximum amount of money we're going to use and blah, blah, blah. It's really a complicated and not very economically attractive thing to do is to provide electricity because you end up wasting a lot. You have to overproduce. And it's really hard to know when you're going to get an ROI. And so that's why there's a lot of you know, governmental um, and state influence and, and intertwining and regulation on this because you know, it's, it's, it's something that is like kind of a, an infrastructure requirement by the state as, as far as they, they deem themselves. And so they get involved because, you know, this is, if it's not economic to produce and provide electricity to somebody, then nobody's going to do it. And so <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, you know, I guess there's a lot of, of state dealing simply because not always is it very attractive because you end up wasting a lot. And so if you take a look at what happened in Kentucky, what's going on in Kentucky right now, where they're trying to attract um, what they call energy heavy businesses like crypto mining, love that crypto mining. Um, you know, you, it's really, it's really easy to understand why they would do that. And it's because what they're trying to incentivize, what they're trying to bring to their grid is a base demand, right? They can be like, hey, listen, if we bring a shitload of Bitcoin miners or marijuana growers or something, right? <laughs> we know that they're running 24 seven and they want uptime. You know, it's based on their business model. And so we know that they're gonna be consuming at least this much electricity constantly. And so from there, we can better plan and develop and and um, grow our grid infrastructure because now we we know we have like this constant demand and we, we're going to charge this and so then we know that we're going to get this amount of money from you know providing electricity and so then we can go to the bank and we can get better financing long term in order to build so it, it ends up changing their entire economic model because they have this this base demand that they can rely upon so that, that's why they're trying to attract bitcoin miners it's not you know I think there's probably a lot of you know tax on the on the back end of that because they're trying to in incentivize them by giving them tax the miners tax breaks. So maybe you know I don't I don't know where the government's winning on that. <laughs> Obviously they're probably cutting they're, they're probably cutting the deals with utility companies, but 
ultimately what we're talking about is hey bitcoin miners are the the electricity buyers of last resort right we're the we're the bottom line consumers of electricity and where there's electricity or where there's energy that can be used to generate electricity we'll be there to buy it for a reasonable price and our price has got to be pretty low for it to make sense for us most of the time um but we'll we'll pay for it like we'll, and in fact we'll seek it out and and that's a really powerful thing and we're, we're really seeing this play out in like real time it's it's kind of wild to be a part of it's kind of wild to see these headlines um because these were things that you know i mean i know i know nico's in here like nico and i talked about this you know i mean god like a long time ago and um it's weird to see it come come to life because it's it's playing out a lot faster but also so slow that it 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 feels almost like it's not happening. There's not that one sudden onset moment. So, you know, I think I think it, it's really exciting to see something like Kentucky, and I think that it's the first of probably um, a lot of states that will will do similar things. So, let's let's dive in a little bit more into to kind of those incentives I was talking about in terms of being the, the purchaser of last resort, the, the electricity purchaser of last resort. Um, I wanted to to kind of give you guys an idea of what earnings look like. I don't know if, how many people have. You know, fucked with a mining calculator or tried to run these numbers before, but um, I just wanted to demonstrate with this, and, and I'll, I'll explain in a sec um, what electricity cost does to earnings and what it does to to you know the miners' kind of risk profile and potentially business model, and show you how it's directly one and one to one impactful with with their earnings and you know their their future risk. So on the on the left the left picture here. Um, We'll see this. Both pictures, I, I did I did the math for an S19 Pro um, at perfect conditions, right? So it's it's hashing 110 tera hashes per second and consuming, I think it's like 3250 watts or something like that. Um, where I where I changed was the power cost, right? So I have 15 cents per kilowatt hour versus five cents per kilowatt hour. And what I wanted to demonstrate here was ultimately what we have is a cost per Bitcoin. So if you take your power cost per year, right, and you divide it by um, how much Bitcoin you've mined, you get, you know, an idea of, of once this would get to one, right? Once you end up mining one Bitcoin, how much money you'd end up spending on electricity. So if you look at just, I mean, this is five cents to 15 cents, obviously it's one third and it's about exactly one third the cost, right? So it's, it's directly the, the ultimate cost to mining Bitcoin that is initially perceived. But what's not seen in this calculation is how many other people are mining Bitcoin, right? The difficulty of the network. And so what happens with, with this discussion is, hey, yes, even if you were in this, this right screen, right? And you're like, wow, our, we're looking at mining a Bitcoin for $6,100. Well, that's today, right? And obviously it looks like it's gonna take you about five years uh, to mine a Bitcoin, four years to mine a Bitcoin at this rate. But what's not calculated in this is an increase in difficulty or an increase in competition. And, but that's what all, Bitcoin miners assume. We all assume, hey, more people are coming because we all assume Bitcoin's price is going up. And if Bitcoin's price is going up, then hey, like there's going to be more miners. And also there's going to be a halving. So rewards are going to get cut in half. So effectively, these costs are going to double, um, right? But ideally, they'll double once Bitcoin's price is so high up, it looks still like a discount. So when when miners are looking at spending a ton of capital, right, and and deploying equipment to the field, no matter if the equipment is, is extremely efficient, like it is in, in these two examples, 
they're going to seek out the lowest cost of energy and the most sustainable long-term, right? It's, it's one thing to get a five cent per kilowatt hour electricity cost on grid because those rates can change really quickly um, by, you know, just one guy wakes up and, and does that off grid, you might be able to find, you know, five cents per kilowatt hour. Like you might be able to lock that in for like 10 years because you have a different energy source. And so what Bitcoin miners are going to be incentivized to do and what they are incentivized to do now is to seek out what's called stranded and wasted energy sources, because these are going to be the most economic and set them up to be, you know, the most defensible as a business long-term, right? To, to be able to survive the lowest Bitcoin prices and the greatest increases in, in difficulty. So where are they going? Where the fuck do, where are people mining Bitcoin today? Like where's the majority of Bitcoin mining taking place? Well, initially I'd say it was hydroelectric. Um, you know, especially early, right when, right when ASICs hit the market, I think going to say like what, 2014, uh, 2015 kind of area. Southeastern Asia has a ton of stranded energy. And what I mean by stranded energy in the hydro, uh, hydroelectric sense is they have a lot of hydroelectric um, power. They have big dams, right? The, uh, the Three Gorge Dam, be, to be specific, is one of them, right? That's about, it's like, you know, 22,000 megawatts or something like that. Um, they, ha they have a dam located in a place where they can't bring all that electricity they're producing to market. Right, real quick, I'll go back to this this little info on the bottom left here. Right, you have to think about, hey, well, wherever you're generating this this flowing water from, well, you have to bring it to consumers. Well, what happens if there's no consumers there? Like, what happens if it's in the middle of like fucking nowhere, China, um, and there's only populations of like maybe twenty five thousand people or something? Well, what you, what you're gonna have is you're gonna have people demanding like, you know, thirty percent or sixty percent of what's being generated, um, even at peak demand times, and you're going to have a ton of electricity that's just going to go to waste. It's just literally, it's going to be generated as that water is rushing through the dam. And then it's just, it's going to be essentially, you know, either shoved into a load bank or it's, it's ultimately it's wasted. It's not going to be brought to market. And so Bitcoin miners came and they filled that gap. They came to those hydroelectric providers and they said, Hey, we could buy all that electricity that you can't find a way to sell. We'll buy it, but we're not going to pay the same as, you know, the other people that are buying it from you to run their house like because we're gonna we know that you have nowhere else to sell it to so we'll buy it for this rate and at this rate we know that we can make a profit and it's a net you know economic for us to mine the bitcoin network because we'll be really defensible we'll be at that you know three cent or five cent per kilowatt hour rate very very um economic energy and quite reliable right um especially for you know throughout parts of the year um when it's rainy in china like they're <laughs> they're always producing way more electricity um than than the population demands. And now that's, that's honestly, that's practical, right? If you think about it, if you, if you wanted to build a hydroelectric facility or build a dam to, to supply a community with electricity, you would want to overbuild because you'd want the community to be able to expand, right? You want the population to be able to go up and you still be able to provide them with sufficient electricity. Um, you wouldn't have to have to like, you know, rebuild your fucking dam or something every time, right? That would, that would be impractical. So they're, there's a practicality to have to overproducing, um, but Bitcoin is a practical is a practical tool to overproduce yet still bring it all to market. Right, overproduce for whatever humans are nearby, and then anything that they that the local market isn't going to consume, Bitcoin will consume it. And so, in many ways, I see Bitcoin as a as a secondary energy consumption market. Right, it's a again, it's 
it's somebody that'll buy your electricity. Um, it's, a, it's an autonomous network that will, that will you know, take your electricity in the form of computational work. Uh, and it'll pay you a, a fair rate, whatever the rate is, uh, you know, going for a Bitcoin these days kind of a thing. So ultimately, that's where Bitcoin started. Today, I think oil and gas is where we're seeing a lot. Now, the pictures on the right, I'm sure people on Twitter and everybody have seen, you know, these are data centers out in, um, out in the oil patch that are consuming methane uh, that would have otherwise been flared and generating electricity. Again, these are, these are using reciprocating engines. Um, we're not running turbines with, with any of our data centers. But reciprocating engines can can get really big. I mean, they can get up to you know 400 kilowatts, even bigger, up to a megawatt. And so, um, you know, these are essentially just massive engines taking in uh, methane that would have been burned toward the sky. Uh, you know, combusting it, oftentimes filtering it, combusting it, and the exhaust is carbon dioxide and water. Uh, that's the the exhaust out of out of combustion of methane gas, and what we're doing is we're bringing methane to market, right? We're, con we're converting that methane into computational work and, and allowing oil and gas producers to sell it. Why is this revolutionary or why is this going to change things um, in, in oil and gas? Well, let me put it this way. In, in an environmental sense, there is a massive um, emissions impact in upstream oil and gas, right? There's a massive amount of, of methane that gets wasted. I'm not sure it's as much methane as as like what's what is emitted from you know like the dairy and and agricultural <laughs> um, sector, but it's it's a significant amount. It's over a billion cubic feet a day in the United States, and um, it's it's enough electricity just the United States to power the network over you know at least I'd say five or six times is probably conservative. Um, I think globally we could power the network fifteen or twenty times over with the amount of flared gas that's that's going on around the globe every day. Um, but it's, it is impactful. I mean, methane is more impactful, certainly I mean, 60, 70 times more impactful than carbon dioxide in terms of a, how, how heavy of a gas it is, right? And so this, this allows for producers to be not just, not just you know, mitigate their methane, right? It, it gives them an economic incentive to stop wasting everywhere. Right. If they, they start realizing, hey, anywhere that we can generate electricity, if we have an Internet connection, we can sell that electricity. So let's look through our entire operations, right? The entire energy stack from from the upstream side through the midstream all the way to downstream it, within the refineries. Even let's figure out where there's waste that we can generate electricity with because we'll be able to bring it to market. And so no, they don't need a, a regulator to come in and tell them to stop you know, flaring and stop emitting this into the atmosphere. They're going to do it because they're economically incentivized to, which I think is, which is going to, you know, have have a network and and environmental a positive environmental impact that is is pretty fucking hard to measure. First of all, um, but second of all, it this completely obliterates that the initial assumption. I, I I tweeted about it today. Brad Garlinghouse from from Ripple or XRP, the scammers over there. He said that every Bitcoin transaction is is the equivalent of seventy five gallons of gasoline getting burned. Okay. And like, I don't know what ass backwards math Brad is doing these days, but even if he had some leg to stand on, some kind of calculation by which he said like this much hash rate is this much this energy and then this much, you know, kilojoules and gasoline. The bottom line is his point is that there's an environmental impact of 75 gallons of gasoline getting manufactured and burned. 
when in reality, in these examples, we have, you know, the majority one being hydroelectric initially, which is like a shitload of extra electricity being generated by moving water that wasn't being able to be brought to market. So there's, it's hard to say that there's some kind of an impact there um, beyond what was already, you know, but beyond what already happened from building the dam. And then enter in oil and gas, we're actually mitigating, right? So I, I've, I invested in this process. I was a customer of Upstream Datas before I started working for them. And, you know, my dad and I, we have a small investment, a, a tiny operation, and we've mitigated like over 10, <laughs> 10 million cubic feet of methane flare over the last 18 months. Um, and like the, the amount of dollars we spent in order to mitigate 10 million cubic feet of methane flare is, is, a, is a fucking joke. Okay, like, let me just put it this way. It's so incredibly low. The, the positive environmental impact per dollar invested into a process like mining off flared gas makes, makes a solar farm and a wind farm investment look like an absolute environmental joke. Um, so I, I think that there's, there's, there's no mistaking how flawed the, the underlying assumption is that every piece, you know, every single watt of electricity that Bitcoin miners are using is having some kind of an additional impact, right? Like some kind of a net additional impact when in actuality, the electricity is often is most 100% of the time already being produced. And most of the time it's energy that or electricity that otherwise would not have been be able to be brought to market and um, it's going to be wasted. And so there's, there's just flaws all throughout it. Now, the last point I'm going to make is how those who are kind of the climate alarmists, the, the um, renewable energy advocates, you could call them, um, a lot of their point is that we, the amount of electricity that's going to need to be produced and the fact that we need to transition to greener sources of energy like wind and solar, um, the fact that we need to do that, Bitcoin doesn't fit into that picture because it consumes too much. And, I, and they have it completely wrong. It's, it's, their initial assumption is correct. Their conclusion is wrong. Their initial assumption that, hey, like trying to you know, bring in things like solar and wind to try to take the place of um, natural gas or coal is, is really, at the end of the day, it's, it's fucking not economic. And it's all, a lot of the time it's impractical. And it's arguably there's a massive environmental impact in the, in the manufacturing. But even without talking about the environmental impact of the manufacturing, as, as an economic investment, wind and solar kind of suck. Okay. I mean, I said this, I, I said this on a podcast. Um, uh, I think it might've been Nico's podcast. I said, I mean, like they suck, right? They, wind and solar suck for the reasons that like, I put it in the bullet point here, they're intermittent energy sources, right? So when the wind is blowing, the people that are next to the wind farm are not necessarily all consuming electricity. So, you know, back to that example before, oftentimes when electricity is being produced with these intermittent sources, these renewable sources, electricity is not being demanded. And then when electricity is being demanded, it's not being produced. And so they have a lot of crossover issues. They have a shitload of loss in between, a lot more loss than coal, let me tell you. Um, certainly a lot, a lot more loss than natural gas. And what Bitcoin can do actually for them is, is make the wind and the solar investment a lot more economically attractive. I'm not sure it makes it as economically attractive. Certainly it doesn't um, as, as coal or as natural gas, but it makes it a hell of a lot more economically attractive than it did, you know, pre Bitcoin mining. Because now when you're 
when your wind farm is generating a ton of electricity and the wind's blowing hard, but the, peop but the people nearby aren't demanding electricity, you can still sell it, right? So your ROI is going to look a lot more, it's going to be a lot, it's going to be a lot faster. It's going to be expedited and it's going to be more attractive. And so when you're looking at building a, a solar farm, you're saying, hey, we're going to be generating this much, but the town over here is only going to be, you know, really consuming this much. So we should build, you know, we should slap on, you know, a half a megawatt of, of Bitcoin miners for any times where we're producing over, over what's being consumed. And that way, you know, we're likely to, to generate this much um, per, per kilowatt that we produce rather than this much. And we're going to, you know, bring 89 or 93% of our electricity to market, 98% of our electricity to market rather than like 67% of our electricity to market. And so it's this massive in, um, efficiency jump. And so, you know, I think that those who are the, the renewable champions, they should, they should be Bitcoin mining freaks. I mean, they should be walking around. They should be the ones writing the articles about how, how amazing Bitcoin mining is. It shouldn't have to be us. Um, had they had they you know actually formed a conclusion that was logical, I think they would have concluded that, holy shit, this makes solar and wind viable. This actually gives me a reason to go to um, you know, a, a developing community in, in you know, sub-Saharan Africa and provide them with solar. Right. So begin to provide them with with affordable and reliable electricity and then they can have electrical appliances and then they can potentially have industry. Right. And, and the reason I'm going to do this is because before they start consuming a whole lot of electricity and it's actually economic for me to provide them with electricity, I'm going to mine Bitcoin with it. Right. And then as they demand electricity, I'm going to expand my solar farms I'm gonna, and I'm going to provide them electricity and I'm going to. Right. I, I'm, it's, it's economically viable for me to go do this thing. That's really good um, because I'm going to make a profit doing it. I'm going to make a profit taking this risk. And now that risk isn't nearly as terrifying because I have this second market that I can always sell electricity to worst case scenario. And and that's a powerful thing in the oil and gas industry. I'm seeing it every day when I talk to oil and gas producers, they come to me and they say, hey, like one guy, one guy was like, hey, the thing I like the most about about this process and, and really just the idea of it, right? He was, he was thinking about uh, doing a pilot project. He's like, there's no counterparty risk. He's, he's like, I've seen my friends, I've seen guys in this industry that, that went and drilled oil wells, they went and drilled vertical wells and horizontal wells, and they did everything right. They got all their permits right, they, they were under budget. Um, they you know, did everything by the book, they didn't have any environmental fuck ups. And they were up and running for 30 days and then somewhere along the line, the pipeline company screwed up. And they got shut down for eight months for an investigation, this, this section of the pipeline. And so all these producers went bankrupt, even though they did everything right. As, as an oil and gas explorer, as somebody that's going and producing wells or you know, drilling wells and producing them, they did everything absolutely right and they went bankrupt, right? They got fucked. And now the way he looks at it is like, hey, I don't, I don't have to deal with the pipeline company necessarily now. Or when I deal with the pipeline company, I can come to the table and say, hey, you better give me a good deal for my gas and you better have done everything right. Otherwise, I'm just going to shut my pipe off to you and I'm going to take my gas and I'm going to go mine Bitcoin with it because, you know, I don't I don't want to risk all of my all of my uh, sweat and labor and my entire bankroll on the fact that you're running your pipeline company. Right. And you did everything right. Um, and you, that you're not going to come back and, and change the gas contract on me and screw me, which, by the way, they do all the time. But now it's going to be really hard for the, the pipeline co companies to you know, leverage the producers and say, hey, you better give us your gas for this price. Um, and otherwise, like, you know, go screw yourself because now the producers can say, hey, I'll just go mine Bitcoin with my with my gas. And, you know, I don't care about your pipeline. Like, I'm glad you built it, but I'm not going to use it. So that, that dynamic alone 
it, it empowers the producers. It gives them a reason to go um, and, and be efficient. And, and beyond that, it gives them a reason to produce their oil wells in a different way even. Um, it's, it's, it could be argued that you know, because of this, this mechanism to bring gas to market, guys will frack wells differently, right? They'll, they'll, in fact, they'll elongate the production of the well. And instead of jamming a lot of water into the well and trying to, and trying to get rid of the gas and produce the oil, they'll you know, slowly let the gas seep out and, and frack the well slowly over time because they'll want to bring every cubic foot of, that, of gas to market by mining Bitcoin. And so it'll have, a, and that'll have a less of an environmental impact um, in the in the overall production of the well, and they'll they'll have a higher production um, in the lifespan of the well. So it's 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 amazing how Bitcoin seeps in and changes all of these incentives and changes how you know it, it's starting to change how oil and gas producers are are behaving today. I mean, very it's very early, right? We're just scratching the surface, but I think going forward, it will change how they build and it'll change how they drill. Um, and and end up even building pipeline infrastructure and and you know connecting to grid because now we have this other market to consider when we do these things. Um, and the last thing I'll talk about is heat recapture. So um, you know I think some people have maybe talked about this a little bit, but heat recapture is is, is kind of exciting in, in Bitcoin. Um, I actually just bought a whole bunch of Bitcoin miners from somebody who's doing this, where they're using the exhaust from the the, the Bitcoin mining to you know, for some other purpose. Um, I know there's a company, uh, Mint Green, I think is is one of them that's doing um, something with with providing hot water to a um, a community. And so, like, they're using Bitcoin miners to you know like do an initial heat of the water before the water actually gets like brought up to a hot temperature. Because obviously, Bitcoin miners aren't going to you know bring water to a boil, but they'll you know they could they could bring water up to 100 degrees if it was if it was run through um, their exhaust. And so. Um, I know that there's another company that's doing something with, they're actually like a salt company. And the way that they produce salt is they boil seawater and they're doing the same thing. They're using the Bitcoin miners to bring that water from, you know, a cooler temperature up to, um, you know, above a room temperature up to a 90, 100 degree temperature. And then um, initially, you know, just to, to try to save them some cost, they're already using the electricity to um, heat up the water anyway. So they might as well, you know, have some of that electricity be, be used to, you know, essentially resell that electricity to Bitcoin um, and run the numbers and see if it'll ultimately end up mitigating some of their costs, right? Because there's Bitcoin earnings to, to account for. Um, I know. I think that there's going to be a lot of applications for this. I do this at my house. <laughs> I mean, I've I've tweeted about it. Some other people have. I know there's the the Spa 256. I can't remember the guy's name right now. The guy that has the the Ant Miner S9 that's warming up his his hot tub, like. People are going to do this. I mean, it's going to get creative. Um, lumber storage, you know, it's like the biggest cost of operating a lumber storage facility is pumping in hot, dry air all damn day. Like, so maybe it makes sense to, you know, have that hot, dry air be generated by miners. So lastly, I just want to conclude that Bitcoin consumes wasted and stranded energy. It doesn't waste energy and it incentivizes efficient electrical generation, innovation and stranded energy production. Bitcoin is not the fucking enemy here, right? In fact, Bitcoin kind of fixes this. And I think I think that initial FUD, that initial, you know, the fact that Bitcoin, as Marty Bent would say, wears its its energy consumption on its sleeve and that there's this seemingly large nominal number of electricity that's being produced or co contributed to the network. Um, it's it's the discussion the discussion is far deeper than that, right? The nuance in between can't be ignored and it's and it's important because it's really what 
what brings this conversation to a, hey, what actually is Bitcoin's role in electricity production and energy production? And is that a good or a bad thing? And I think it's a screaming net positive um, for the entire energy stack. And most most arguments against that are flawed. So, so thanks, guys. That, that was my, that was my class. And and um, anybody can open it up for questions. One thing I did want to mention before um, we stop recording or we we enter in discussion is, you know, I know that Bitcoin or BTC Kindergarten did um, a partnership with Coinbeast, who who I work with, and I'm a I'm a pro on their Coinbeast Connect platform. I think it's really cool stuff that we're doing there, and um, I love talking about these topics. So. You know, if, if anybody ever wants to connect, that's one way to do it with me. And I, I end up, uh, I donate the proceeds, the cost of connecting with me. I donate that to Bitcoin Core. Um, I just I just sponsored somebody that Ben the Car Man uh, recommended, um, a guy named James. And so, um, you know, any any of my of, of my earnings go straight to him. And and he seems to be a, a great guy working working hard on Core. So um, one thing I wanted to drop in there, and you know, I know these. This can, this can be kind of complicated and maybe there's a tons of tons of questions. So fire away if you've got them. Otherwise, you know, I guess let me know how this goes. Adam, that was awesome. That was bullish. Everyone's losing their mind in the chat. So thanks for coming <laughs> out, dude. Um, we do have some questions in here. I don't know. Do you guys want to unmute yourself and ask them or do you want to just have me read them off? I, I mean, anybody can ask. I mean, if they want to, if they want to pop in with their voice, I'm, I'm good with that. I don't, I don't know. Right, you write the chats flying way too fast for me to read. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're losing it. They, we've got super bullish in here. Um, hold on. I know there's one up here. All right, so this is from BTC Viking. He asks, "Do these mining containers look the same on oil rigs?" Just been wondering when I heard about all this gas that either waste or liquefy to transport, which is still not practical, is it? So is the question like what they look like? Is there... Um, I'm guessing. I, I'm. I mean, that's... yeah. So like some of those those pictures I I shared, like so ours look. You know, I think the way we build it upstream data is maybe a little bit different than um, what's what's out there. A lot of it. A lot of what I've seen out there is. Um, you know, kind of like looks like a shipping container that's been retrofitted for a data center. And I think that, you know, at a certain size, about a megawatt size, like that, that much, that size of a data center makes sense. Um, at Upstream, we we build data centers all the way down to the 50 kilowatt size. So we we go all the way, you know, we've got an all-in-one kind of a unit that is just for guys that have a tiny amount of gas, maybe while they're fracking the well in the beginning, um, you know, they're going to have gas for six months. Um, that's going to be pretty, you know, heavy. And then they don't, they're not, they're going to be able to move it to somewhere else. Um, so we actually go all the way down to the small scale. So, you know, some of our data centers look, look different just because they, we scale up, but ultimately, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just a matter of a modularized building that, you know, it's, 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 it's a magic box, right? That's what it, that's what a data center, you know, a, a portable Bitcoin mine is. It's, it's this magic box that you can sell your energy to, um, anywhere you drop it off. And so that's, that's what we, that's what we build. And, um, yeah, that's what we deliver. Awesome. And on that note, uh, we got a question. How much do these magic box cost? Uh, anywhere from like, you know, 12 to 120 grand, depending upon how big the magic box is and how, how much electrical you want it built out for. Um, so yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So we got, we got a few more questions. Uh, this one is how much can number go up on future hash rate? 
That's a great question. That is the question. That's the that's the million dollar question. Who asked that? Uh, that's Weinekis or Bitcoin is us on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin is us. So that sounds like a smart guy to me. Um, no, I think that is that's the question, right? And I think that's what we're all kind of we're all kind of dancing with right now is, you know, I, I mean, I'm dancing with it constantly because I'm trying to to price and buy uh, Bitcoin miners, right? And those are directly kind of related to Bitcoin's price and how many other miners are going to be on the network, right? So how how uh, high the hash rate's going to go. I, you know, I was quoted in a Bitcoin article, I think it was December, right? It was the like 2020 recap article. I think I called for a doubling of the hash rate by the end of the year. And I think that that's maybe, I think that's still probably an okay guess. Um, I think to call for like anything over a doubling. Um, so like right now we're at like 160 exa hashes. We call it 165 maybe. So for us to go above 320 exa hashes, I think is is borderline unrealistic um, because we have a global semiconductor shortage right now. We have a fucking problem producing chips as a, as a species, like as, as a as a global market and industry. Um, there's more demand for for chips than than there is foundry space, and then because of that, the cost to produce chips ends up getting to a place where it's no longer viable to produce them at all. And that's a problem. And so, and these are not problems that can be solved very quickly. So I think, I think we could see maybe 300 exahashes by, you know, February, maybe this time next year. But I don't see much more than, I don't see us going above 400 exahashes until maybe after the next half. Ah, man, it's tough to say. It's, I mean, here's the thing. Here's a, here's a little number for you that, that maybe some people understand. Um, every time the network goes up, one exahash per second, right? So, which right now is only like a, it's like a third, or it's like two thirds of a percent. Um, it's like 0.6% increase. In order for the network to go up one exahash per second, it's about anywhere from like 35 to 50 megawatts of power that need to come online, okay? And that's that's like a lot of power. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, like that's a small city. Like, you know what I mean? Like, a, like certainly a, um, a, a big town. Um, it, that's a lot of electricity. Um, your house is going to be like, you know, one ten thousandth of that kind of a thing. So it's for, for it to get to 300, 400, I think, I don't know if that much electricity can come online that fast. And I'm, I'm skeptical, but Bitcoin's price is going to demand it. So when, when there's a will, there's a way. And I guess I, we'll see if people figure out a way. I'm, I'm calling for a doubling. I'll say double by next year. But after that, I don't even know if I can comment. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and in the same vein, we got another question that goes, Bitcoin already consumes an amount of energy comparable to some states. Do you think difficulty can keep the pace with the price? Imagine a 10x increase in the price and it can take so long for mining industry to find that much energy. Yeah, no, that's, I think he's just agreeing with me, essentially. Yeah, that's yeah. Exact, exactly. I mean, I, I'd, I'd rephrase it and say we, we fucking consume a country's worth, right? I, I, I wear it proudly, the amount of electricity Bitcoin consumes. It's a good thing. Um, it shows how much, how much waste is being displaced. It shows, it shows the value and, 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 you know, the fact that people are willing to invest in, and interoperate with this network um, and take capital expenditure to, to inter interact with this network. I mean, I think hash rate is a much better... Um, and difficulty is a much better metric of demand than even prices, right? I think I think that there's a lot of a slippage with price um, in, in relative to demand. But 
you know, when people end up mining Bitcoin, that's a that's a true mark of demand because you got to buy hardware, you got to ship it. It's a physical item. You have to actually find a home for it, and you got to make energy contracts. And and I mean, there's a lot of risk. Um, it's easier to buy Bitcoin. Just it's just easier to go out there and buy some on the market. It's a lot harder to mine it. And so I think it's a much better marker of demand. And what we're seeing right now is there is a shitload of demand for for Bitcoin mining. Um, and I think prices is not accurately reflecting uh that <laughs> what that is yeah N nico hit me to uh looking at the hash rate over the price a while back so i agree with you all right so we still we got a few more questions one is uh adam can you talk about hydro a little bit how does it compare to oil and gas and what is the pain point with using hydro i.e is it a capture slash transmission issue no, I think I think hydroelectric is freaking awesome. I mean, I think it it's you could probably argue that it's superior to um, flared gas. The like in terms of economic like as an economic source. Um, the huge problem with hydro is like who the hell owns a dam, right? The issue with hydro is you usually have to interact with a state because it's like a, a state entity is running the hydroelectric facility and. Um, so you, you have to interact with them and it's not like you can just go and, you know, pop up a dam on some river. I mean, as far as I understand it. So, um, like, I think, I think in terms of what's pragmatic or what's, what's practical and realistic, natural gas is a much better source for mining Bitcoin. Um, but if you can work a deal, if you happen to know some guys with hydroelectric shit, I mean, it's, it's hard to beat that. I mean, that's, they have, most hydroelectric facilities have a ton of waste and electricity. And so usually you can get a hell of a rate and it's a viable, it's a viable, you know, it's a viable kind of business to try and be the guy that goes and brings that electricity to market. Right? It takes that initial risk. So um, I think it's great. It's just, I, I don't like how you have to deal with who you have to deal with and, and what that's like, you know, it's not attractive that way. Awesome. Okay. We have a couple more questions. This one is uh, a few questions in one, but it, it's all relative. So uh, BAP goes, is it worth it to mine at home or should you just go all in and purchase? Is the opportunity cost of mining worth it? And then in the same vein, what is the affordable kilowatt uh, to target per terahash? Those are good questions. Um, I think so the first question, is it viable at home? Um, as a means to maximize, like to, as a means to stretch your dollar and like maximize the amount of Bitcoin you're going to own, um, it's it's not you know home mining is probably not going to be the, the way to do it. Um, you know it, that been said, okay. Like, and I'll, I'll say this too, as an educational experience, right? It's something to you know, I mean, much in the same way of like setting up a hardware wallet and withdrawing money to it, like once you do that, you, you learn so much, right? It's, it's hard to even kind of quantify or describe all the little nuance that you, you learn when you go through that process and, and kind of um, interact with the network. Same thing with mining. I think it's, it's very worth it. If, if you have that burning desire, I had the burning desire to, to mine it, you know, initially I wanted to, I'm a hands-on learner, so I needed to, um, but to stretch your dollar, not really. Now that being said, um, the, the numbers look really good today. Like I was alluding to earlier, and I'm sure that some guys on you know on this in this room know. I mean, hash rate's been pretty damn flat the last 90 days. I mean, we've we gotten up to like we've been sat around 155 for like I want to say like just like 40 days flat or 60 days flat. We're kind of up a little bit, but like relative to what price has done, 
hash rate hasn't moved. And I don't know if hash rate's going to keep up with price. I think we're at this level, we're at this point now where, you know, we no longer are there going to be chip advancements that that end up concluding a, a exponential move in the total hash rate on the network because we have Moore's law behind us now, right? We're, we're, we're up against it. And so what we need is the commoditization of the hardware and that's not happening. We have a global shortage. So I think it's likely that we see Bitcoin's, I mean, I personally think we're gonna see Bitcoin's price in, increase from here. I think we're far away from where we see Bitcoin's price go this year. Um, I think Bitcoin's price is likely to go up faster than the hash rate. And so it might even get more attractive to mine. The The question you need to ask yourself is, is the Bitcoin opportunity cost question, which is this, which is, do I, do I go buy a $5,000 miner that makes, let's say, 15, you know, $20 a day, okay? Um, so it's going to take me 250 days before I get my... $5,000 back essentially, right? Um, or before my, before I get the amount of Bitcoin that I could have bought. Now, where's Bitcoin's price gonna be in 250 days? Ask yourself that. Okay, so are, are you gonna be better spent just buying at this level? And then 250 days from now, you're gonna have like four times the amount of Bitcoin you would have mined had you bought that miner. Um, nor, but then maybe because Bitcoin's price is so high, you could, have you could take that miner and you could go sell it for more than you bought it for. Um, but it might not be relatively more than what Bitcoin's price was. And you could take that money and try to buy Bitcoin and beat your, beat your Bitcoin opportunity cost that way. But either way, it's this hard game, right? It's this, <laughs> it's this dance of how do I, how do I beat Bitcoin, the, the, the returns of just buying and holding Bitcoin? Um, and that's, that's what we're talking about in terms of is it viable at home? Not great. If you have free power somewhere at your house, like if you've got a, you know, I don't know if you've got like a freaking or a shop like that you work at and, and electricity is built in the contract, like shit, dude. I mean, I think it definitely makes sense to set up a miner. I mean, have $10 coming in every day in Bitcoin and, um, you know, that's, that's awesome. But like, again, oh, I'm sorry. The, the other question too was what's, what's the, what's the electricity rate at? Okay. So I think a good borderline maybe is like, let's call it like maybe seven and a half cents per kilowatt hour. Like right now you can mine with an S9, at almost like double that though, right? Like an S9 is profitable at like 14 cents right now, I think. Um, it's pretty crazy, um, which is which is like Hawaii uh, electrical prices. <laughs> and, um, and the S19 Pro, you know, is, is like profitable up to, I think I checked the other day, it was like 43 cents, 42 cents. So, you know, I it's viable right now, definitely and profitable, but, Again, I, I don't know if it's for everybody. I mean, especially some of the newer stuff, they're pulling 3,200 watts or 3,600 watts. It's like, I mean, that's like three microwaves of electricity. It's, it's like a serious piece of electrical electrical equipment. And like, you want to consult an electrician and be serious, you know? So <laughs> I don't know, not for everybody. You're awesome, dude. Uh, this one, this question, I'm not sure if this is like a joke question, but I'll, I'll answer it anyway, or ask it anyways. Is the Suez Canal incident affecting mining equipment supply? I mean, it, I mean, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it fucking feels like it. I'll say that. Like, it feels, it feels like everything, you know, it feels like a million things must be affecting ASIC supply because, I mean, I, I think I could sooner sooner buy like the a rare pokemon card that was signed by the guy that voiced 
ash in the Pokemon cartoon movie. I could probably sooner find one of those than I could like an S19 Pro right now. Um, and so it's just an absolute freaking nightmare. But yeah, I think I think personally Bitmain was behind the Suez Canal thing, but that's all I'm going to comment on. <laughs> Let's go. Um, all right. Well, I think we're caught up on questions. Guys, if you want to jump in the voice Ask chat. one. All right. Shoot it. Um, as far as the actual hardware production, I've heard critiques that like some of the main flaws in Bitcoin are that there are few producers of hardware and essentially like whoever is in bed with those producers can get access to them. And obviously like there's issues with production. So I don't know, do you, do you have any opinions on that? Like obviously you, you're having well, yeah, hard, I think... buying hardware and there seems to be a shortage in that market. Not everyone's a producer. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, I think it's definitely an issue, right? It, it sucks that, that there's only really a couple of like, um, like it's substantial manufacturers. Really Bitmain is like the majority, right? Um, but I, I, I'll say this, like one, one really cool thing about Bitcoin, probably one of the coolest things is, you know, people even talk about 51% attacks and things with hash rate, like, you know, can the production of hardware be a security concern potentially for that reason? And we already saw that, right? That already played out. I mean, we saw it where like the biggest hash rate producers were in favor of increasing block size and all the nodes said, no, 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 go fuck yourself. Right. And the, and the network wouldn't, didn't process big blocks. Like we, we, you know, the, the nodes are the gatekeepers here. And, um, we already, we've already like Bitcoin has been battle tested for that. Um, and so, and we won. And so I think, I think that's kind of like a, a piece of FUD that maybe not not many people know has already kind of like it's already happened. Um, but doesn't mean it won't happen again. Um, but I think it means that if it happens again, I'm more confident this time, right? Um, and then to the other point of like, yeah, those who get in bed with you know with the producers or just hell the producers themselves. I mean, they could just mine with their own equipment, right? What what's stopping Bitmain from just saying like, you know what, fuck it, I'm not, we're not selling anymore. Like we're just gonna mine with our, all the stuff we produce. Like if you want a Bitcoin miner, like go somewhere else. Uh, like that scares me a little bit, right? I mean, I, I think about that. Like, I, honestly, if I was them right now, that's what I would do. <laughs> like, I'd be like, fuck you guys. I'm not in the mind of all this hardware. The price is amazing. Um, go build your own. Go build your own freaking Bitmain company if you want to mine. You know, I, I, I think that the market's going to solve for it, and I think that what we're, I think what's miner is is a great product. Um, I think, in in fact, I, I think I like them better than the ant miners, um, and I hope that. I hope they're seeing success. I think they're doing like a, maybe like an M32 or an M30 sale. Shit, is it, is it tomorrow? Might be tomorrow. Um, you know, it's like, it's like a first come first serve thing. And I hope they, I'm sure they'll crush it and they'll make a ton of money and it'll, they'll be able to go back to some like investors or somebody and be like, hey, we need to freaking produce like 10 or 25 times the amount of miners we did last year. I freaking hope uh, the market starts solving for this. We're seeing Intel and other guys come in with fabs, but you know, I'll say this at the end of the day, it's a growing pain and we need some serious people to come in, serious investment to come in uh, up to the tune of, I'd say up close to a trillion dollars um, in terms of microelectronic fabrication. And it's going to take time, but I feel like the, the, the worst is behind us um, in terms of any kind of security concern or centralization concern. I think, um, I think the future is, is much more decentralized just because it's, you know, there's no way it, it, we get back to kind of where Bitmain was before trying to 
you know, do a big block attack. So I don't know. I, I, uh, I hear, I definitely hear that, that question, but I, I kind of balk at it at the same way. Cause I think like we're, we're, there, there's more, there's more players than there was before. And I think we're a lot healthier. So, um, fair question though. All right, dude. Hey, uh, if I could jump in oh, shoot it. for one second. Uh, just, yeah, so just to follow up on the Bitmain stuff, I mean, they also have, like, some really severe, well, I guess they had some severe, like, internal, like, uh, business-related shuffles. Like, Jihan was kicked out, right? Like, didn't he have to settle, and now he's just doing his own thing? And I think the, yeah, uh, the co founder was. Yeah, there was, some, there, was, there was a lot of weird kind of politics power struggle going on internally as well. Yeah, and I think a lot of that had to do with, uh, you know, Jihad's like all-in Bcash maneuver. So he got he got the boot, and now he's doing his own like Bcash thing or whatever. And I think the uh, the co-founder of um, of Bitmain is now running the show. So they should be a little less, uh, you know, like fucky with you know some of the shit that they do, which uh, you know puts my mind at ease. Um, but I mean, also like with I guess, uh, you know, another threat uh, as far as, like, the centralization of uh, mining hardware, uh, in my point of view, is, um, you know, like, it's, there's no secret that a lot of this, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the product goes to Chinese uh, companies, right? Just because, like, you know, relationships and, like, they're, you know, like closer to uh, uh, the point of manufacturing and stuff. Like well, yeah, that. yeah. The, so, the Chinese, the Chinese have freaking streamlined microelectronic fabrication processing. I mean, like within within you know a freaking ten square kilometer area in you know southeast right. uh, Asia, you can freaking get your chip fucking designed, printed, and and like put in device. I mean, it's fucking nuts. So so yeah, I mean, part of it's just they they as an industry they've they've blown up that that part of the world. And so you're right, like they they have the connections, and so. I mean, I'm t- I was talking with guys yesterday about getting, you know, computers from China. It's a, I mean, it's a really good way to get scammed. I'll tell you what, um, it's a, it's a dangerous game out there to try to try to source computers. Um, but I think, I think it's, as a threat concern, um, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I, it doesn't, it doesn't keep me up in the slightest, you know what I mean? It doesn't, doesn't even play in my, my kind of game theory of how Bitcoin plays out. It, it's freaking, it's maybe a pebble in the road, but. Um, what yeah, I do see I'm, I'm as sure a serious that. one is the is the damn environmental aspect. That is serious. I mean, freaking Brad Garlinghouse, like I said today on on Bloomberg. I mean, and, and no, no, and and by the way, the, I forgot to mention, I didn't mention it in the tweet, but the the interviewer lady, she's like, I'm so glad you brought that up because Bill Gates said the same thing, and and like and like she fucking just ran with it, and I was like, my God, they like they don't even they're not going to even question the mantra. They're just gonna they're just gonna hop on that horse. And just love riding it, and so we're gonna have to sit there and show them why they look like idiots. Um, otherwise, it's it's just gonna be a, a it's gonna be the fud of all fuds, man. And yeah, I mean, I see I see some of the eco warrior types, like you know, in AOC, if she sets her freaking sights on it. Um, fuck, I mean, it could be it could be it could be explosive. I mean, I I, I don't know. Ultimately, I think they're gonna lose though. I think we win. I mean, they will. They will. It's, it's it's just you know, it's just annoying. That's the thing. Like it's it's these are arguments yeah, that have to endure for the long. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the thing is, like you know, there's so many takedowns out there. There's so many resources that point out why you know these are uh, these are erroneous arguments. 
Uh, but people keep bringing up the same shit over and over and over. And I, you know, it's like, you guys, like, you've done this before. Like, you know, the, the, the arguments are out there. Like, why keep rehashing the same shit? And I think that, uh, you know, we all know the answer to it. And it's that, you know, first of all, it gets clicks. So all these, uh, you know, uh, corporate press outlets are going are, are gonna to boost it just because it gets clicks. But also, you know, like, it does serve a lot of people's interests to, you know, put out this uh, this FUD. So, yeah, I, I feel like it's going to be a long while till it goes away, but it, it'll eventually go away. But you Bitcoiners are so mean. <laughs> Super toxic. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, there's, I think there's a lot of, of bullshit that comes along with this FUD. Like it's, you know, because then it gets, this is what, this is really what the underlying FUD is, right? And this is kind of what brings me to the, you know, energy consumption isn't a bad thing is that they're putting a more they're, they're they're putting a morality you know score on electrical consumption and that's just you know what it's like if you're gonna fucking do that then what part of the electricity that you consume is moral and which is immoral right like should you be able to have a heart surgery because i'll tell you what it takes a shitload of electricity to, t- to have a heart surgery like i mean just even from shipping the goddamn organ to the hospital so you can get you know your chest blown open to to get a new heart put in, but like, like, is that, oh, okay. So that's ethical. Okay. So what about like your YouTube channel? Like, is that, is that, ethical? I mean, you know what I mean? Like if we're going to, electricity is not, it's not immoral or moral. It's amoral, right? It's fucking apolitical. It's, it's a tool. It's, it's energy in the raw. That's, that's, you know, relatively easy to transfer. And it, that's the end of it. That's the fucking end of the discussion. Um, You know, for them to bring in a morality discussion, they only do that because they, they need to collect tax dollars, right? So it needs to be that some electricity is destroying the earth and some electricity is saving the earth. And if you if you need to interact with the electricity that's saving the earth and we need to raise tax dollars so that we can have the electricity that's saving the earth and all the electricity that's destroying the earth, like it's bad and you shouldn't do it. And I'm sure that Bitcoin miners are using it. You know, it's like, it's this, it's a total facade as an argument, but it's fucking effective. Yeah, man, agreed. Um, actually, uh, on on a similar note, but not exactly, uh, I spoke with Harry uh, Sudak like a year ago, and he was, you know, he was all in on Gen Four nuclear, and I haven't heard anything about Gen Four nuclear. And what he, from what he told me, it's easier to set up, like it's cheaper, it's more reliable, blah blah blah. Uh, I thought that nuclear would be, you know kind of like a pipe dream just because of the the fact that there's so many regulations around nuclear especially in the u.s that we'll never really see something like that uh and all the uh all the subsidies are going towards like um renewables and stuff like that uh but i don't know if you've heard anything about gen 4 you know i i i assume that you've spoken to harry uh before so yeah so uh, i mean has he said i'll say this no, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't spoken much to Harry. I've spoken with him some on, on Clubhouse. Um, and man, I, I will say he has such an elegant way of, of speaking about these, these issues and um, really, you know, picking apart this exact discussion. I think he, he probably does a lot better justice than I do uh, speaking about these. And I'm sure that his understanding um, is uh, of nuclear is, is far superior to mine as well. But what I will say is nuclear is fantastic. The issue that I see with it maybe is similar to yours and maybe the reason and again, I'd have a hard time betting against Harry's predictions, right? Uh, he has, he's got a hell of an ear to the ground. 
Um, but I think maybe the if I if I were to, you know, disagree, um, at least maybe I would disagree with the timeline. And I just think the the state barriers to entry are they're so damn they're so damn slow, right? They're so damn time consuming and costly um, and obstructive that I see I see the majority of those who are looking to invest in you know either generating power. Um, or you know, either maybe mining Bitcoin, right? I, I I see the path of least resistance or less resistance, um, and maybe equal economic incentive um, taking over, and people abandoning a lot of nuclear projects just because of the fucking red tape that's got to get cut, right? And 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 the the regulatory oversight, it's it's really painful. Um, you think drilling an oil well is bad? I mean, my God, a nuclear facility is is not a fun time. Um, and so, but I think it's possible and there's guys out there that have connections and they make shit happen. Um, you know, and you can go buy connections and there's, you know, somebody will do it, I think. But again, I, I my only pushback, I, I think it's absolutely viable, phenomenal technology. It, we should have, I mean, we have the technology today to pretty much have freaking massively abundant electricity. Um, but the regulatory hurdles are, I mean, it's the government, right? They create dead weight loss every fucking time. They enter, they get they put their hands into anything, and that's exactly what we're seeing is, you know, they'll they'll stipend innovation and growth. Yeah, man, that's uh, that, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Um, I hope Harry is right, and I hope that nuclear takes off. Oh, but, me too. Yeah, yeah no, I, I, I do that. too. I I, I I I hope he's 100 right. I hope he's I hope he's so wrong that it happens way faster than even he thought, right? Because uh, I think it's a good thing for humanity. I think it's a good thing for for everyone. Um, but. Maybe I'm a little bit of a skeptic when it comes to the regulators, right? <laughs> Such as the Bitcoin life. All right, Denver, we got one last question. Uh, we, we've gone on pretty long tonight, but it's still a fire combo, so we're not going to stop it. Uh, this one is uh, not necessarily in regards to uh, energy and Bitcoin, but it has to do with uh, like block rewards and transaction fees. So he goes... Uh, is block reward going to zero FUD warranted? How will transaction fees be enough? That's a good question. Is that FUD warranted? Um, okay, well, I'll say that initially, I don't think that the FUD is very warranted, mainly because this isn't happening in any of our lifetimes. Um, so, <laughs> so initially, I say the FUD is still it's you know it's that distant fud it's distant fud i get it um but so in that regard i think it's meh meh kind of relevant kind of also like fuck that question um but then i in, in regards to will there be a robust transaction you know uh fee market absolutely i think so and guess what if there's not an incredible amount of fees then some people will you know not be mining bitcoin but I think that the people who are going to be mining Bitcoin by the time we get to that point, we're going to be talking about mining with an ins insane amount of overproduced energy. Right, we're going to be talking about mining with essentially zero cost energy to these oil and gas producers. Their flare gas is essentially zero cost. And so even if it's not that, you know, viable, um, it's still better than just burning the freaking gas into the air. And so to them, like it, it need not be all that robust, um, but robust enough. And so I think 
we'll find equilibrium. Um, will it will it mean that like oh all of a sudden all this hash rate quits because no, no I don't think so. Um, I definitely don't think so. I think I mean by that time you got to imagine by the time that the actual last Bitcoin reward is like gone right like the actual block subsidy goes to effectively zero before we get there. There's going to be like 40 years of <laughs> at least right 10, 10 cycles. Um, 10 havings of like edging you there where we're going to have the, the block rewards going to be, you know, like, what is it? 1.061. Um, and I'm sure that fees will be, you know, like 75 or 80% of the block reward will, will be fees at that point. And then, so we'll just move from 92 or 97% of the block reward being fees to 100. And it, it won't be this drastic, like, ah, there's no more Bitcoin. <laughs> like, that's not going to be it. Like, like we're already at the, ah, there's no more fucking Bitcoin moment, guys. Like there's damn near no more Bitcoin left. We're at 90% of total. Like it's fucking, it's damn near over. Um, like this is it. And by the time we get to that zero, I mean, it's already over. And so, no, I think, I think it'll be, you know, it'll be nice, that nice gradual, you know, it'll take a nice 80 years for it to even really feel like we went from something to nothing, but um, there will be a, a fee market that that survives and there will be a market of of electricity buyers ready to mine um with whatever's available so i don't know i think i think it's moot uh, plus i'm not going to be around for it so <laughs> all right denver adam thanks for coming out uh that was a bullish conversation uh actually will you just show where people can get in touch with you one last time and then we'll call this one a episode yeah, I'm, I'm Denver Bitcoin on Twitter. That's You can get in touch with me there. Um, you know, shoot me a DM. I, I love connecting with Bitcoiners. Good shit. Um, you know, one more, I did want to give one more shout out to, to Coinbeast Connect. It's a great place if you, you know, if you want to learn how to run a node or um, talk with somebody about, like, if you think about starting a Bitcoin business and you want some legal help, like there's some guys on there that are, you know, looking to help. And so, um, you know, I think, I think there's a good resource for kind of that one-on-one -on -one question you can't have answered by Google. So check that out. And then, you know, if you're local in the Colorado area, hit me up. I love, love connecting with Bitcoiners. So give me a shout and, you know, maybe I'll be back sometime. I love this. I love this setup, man. I haven't really used Discord. This was, this was good shit. So thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Awesome, dude. Well, yeah, uh, by all means, we'd love to have you back and uh, we'll be waiting for the next presentation. All right, guys. Awesome, man. Yeah, peace out, dude. Uh, well, we're going to call this one, guys. I, I hope you guys were as bullish as I was on this one because that was a bullish presentation. All right, well, stick around for Teacher's Lounge. We're out tonight. Peace.